Good morning. It's great to be with you. My name is Wade. I have the joy of serving Jesus alongside these awesome students over here, college ministry at 24-7. If you are a college student, uh, we have a lunch right after this service. We'd love to invite you to that, to be a part of that. Um, So if you're a college student, drift this way, hang out with us, and we'll walk together to lunch. Cool? Great. We are continuing our series called The DNA of Parkview. And uh, if this is your first time visiting, wonderful. If you've been here for 25 years, wonderful. This series is for you. Uh, For those of you who are wondering, what is Parkview? Why is Parkview? How is Parkview? Uh, This is the series for you. If you've been uh, following Jesus here at Parkview for years, uh, this is a great way to recommit to life together as we pursue Jesus. And that is Parkview's mission. We're about pursuing Jesus together in everyday life. And uh, so that's kind of the why. Uh, but the how, how does that happen? What does that look like? Uh, it's three things at Parkview. The way that we make disciples, we go about following Jesus together, uh, happens as we gather to worship, we grow in Christ's likeness, and we go on mission. Last week, Doug, Pastor Doug, reminded us uh, that it is so crucial to sustain your life with Jesus, to gather together on Sunday mornings, because there's something unique here that's happening that you don't get anywhere else throughout your week. We come together to sing songs about Jesus, to hear teaching about Jesus from the Bible, uh, and to remind ourselves of the good news of Jesus. And so this is a place, this is a time here on Sundays that shapes us into a certain direction towards the kingdom of Jesus and what he values and what he loves instead of uh, being drifting towards valuing what culture loves. And so we are called to be distinct from culture for the sake of blessing the world and Sundays reorient us towards the kingdom of Jesus. That's why we gather together to worship Jesus. Today, we're looking at what it means to grow in Christ's likeness. And we'll be in Colossians 1, 3 to 8. Colossians 1, 3 to 8. If you want to turn there in your real Bibles or on your phone Bibles, go ahead and do that. Colossians 1. Three to eight. This letter was written in early 60 AD, about that time, by a man named Paul. Used to be called Saul. Uh, Saul was uh, someone who went around killing Christians. Uh, that was his uh, that was his main task for a while. And then he had a real encounter with the resurrected Jesus, and his life changed, and he became someone who uh, talked to people about Jesus. And uh, he wrote letters to. Christian communities all throughout the Mediterranean world. And so this letter is to a group of Christians in Colossae. Colossae is now uh, what's in modern-day Turkey. And so he, write this, he wrote this letter to them as a church to help them, to keep them from being distracted from seeking spiritual growth in any other place other than the gospel. And that's why Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians. To, uh, for Christians to enjoy real growth must happen in the gospel. So Colossians 1, 3 to 8 I'm going to read this aloud, uh, and then we're going to pray. Hear now the word of the Lord. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you've heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing. We might say it's growing. It's another way to say that. 
as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he's made known to us your love in the Spirit. Your love in the Spirit. If you're willing, please pray with me. Father, as we turn to your word, we pray that you would open our hearts to hear the good news of Jesus in a fresh way this morning. Thrill us with Jesus from Colossians 1, 3 to 8, and compel us toward real gospel growth in community. By your spirit, we pray that you would help us believe all that you teach, gladly obey all that you command, trust all that you promise. For the sake of Jesus, we pray this. Amen. Amen. Well, I grew up in Phoenix, uh, and as a kid, uh, I don't know. There we go. Amen. Come on now. All right. Off to a good start. All right. It's just not, you know, it's not very often I hear people from, you know, cheering for Phoenix. All right. So I grew up in Phoenix, all right. And uh, I don't know about you, but I had a growth wall uh, in my home, okay? It was in the laundry room. Yours probably was not on the kitchen wall. It was probably in the laundry room because your mom or dad probably didn't want you to see the pencil etchings, right, of how you've been growing as a kid, right? The growth wall was that place uh, in my house where uh, mom or dad, as I stood here like this, you know, they would then get a pencil and then etch, you know, how much I've been growing, right? And over the years, right, it's really fun. It says, you know, Wade, five years old, you know, and it's like a line down here, you know, and then like Wade, you know, 25 years old. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> that'd be weird, you know, if you college students are still doing that, you know, with your dorm mate, we need to talk. <laughs> Anyways, so that's what, that's what, you know, you did as a kid, right? Many of you probably are doing that today, maybe, maybe not, but that's what I did as a kid. You had a growth wall, and it, you know, shows different signs of how you've been growing. Well, here's the deal, right? So if you're a kid, and you're standing there, right, and you're really excited, and it's like maybe like your first or second day of school, and you're like, oh, I want to see how much I grew, and uh, your, your parent, you know, puts the pencil etch above you, and you turn around, right, and depending on what you see as a kid, you're going to be very excited or very discouraged. Very excited if it's a sign that you've been growing, right? Very discouraged if you haven't been growing, okay? Now, what happens, parents, if uh, your child becomes concerned, right, that, oh, I should have been growing more. It's been like one week and I haven't grown at all, you know, and the pencil etching is still the same. Well, in that moment, a wise parent... Uh, when the child feels discouraged about their growth, the parent must step in to reassure the child that they are growing. There's no need to be concerned. They are growing and there's no need to be concerned. It's, it's an important part for a parent to reassure the child that that's happening. Well, the Apostle Paul is like a good parent. Because what's happening in the uh, church in Colossae, in this Colossian community, uh, there's a concern that they're not experiencing the fullness of growth that they thought they could be experiencing. And so the marks on the growth wall aren't really encouraging them that much. And there's, a, there's this teaching that was happening in the Coloss- Colossian church uh, that was tempting them to move past the gospel into something else to help them grow. And so the terrible teaching in Colossae was basically something like this. You see, you begin your Christian life in Jesus by grace. But in order to grow, in order to experience the fullness of your spiritual life— You need to move past Jesus 
and have certain experiences, follow certain rules and regulations that will help you stop doing the things that are displeasing God and so that you can start doing the things that do please God. And so these Colossians have a temptation to be discouraged. And like any good parent, Paul is writing to assure the Christians in Colossae, no, 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 it's all right. You're, you're growing, okay? So our, our big aim this morning is this. Colossians 1, 3 to 8, convinces us that real growth happens in a loving community focused on the gospel. Real growth happens in a gospel community of love. Real growth happens in a gospel community of love. When a community that's focused on the gospel gathers together in love, that is the fruitful, wonderful soil where Christian growth can happen. And the big aim plays itself out in two ways. This is the outline. First, you look at the signs of growth. What does it look like for a person to be a real Christian who's growing? What are the signs? Verses 3 to 5. And then what's the source of growth? Okay? What is the, the power uh, that's, that's, that's fueling this growth? Signs of growth, source of growth. Let's look at the signs of growth in this first part. You see, like my mom and dad could reassure me by pointing out pencil marks that were underneath the one they had just given, okay? They would point to these pencil marks as signs. Hey, Wade, calm down. It's okay. Remember, when you were three, you were this, this tall, okay? And now that you're 27, you're this tall now. It's okay, Wade. Um, You're growing. Uh, So that's what Paul is doing here, okay? Look down at verse 3. Paul's reassuring the Colossians that the gospel is what gives growth by revealing them why he is thankful to them. Verse 3 says this, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Why does he give growth? Well, verse 4, Since we heard of, here come the signs, the signs of growth, we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, heard of your love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Faith in Christ, love for fellow Christians, hope laid up in heaven. Faith, love, and hope. To be a growing Christian, to be an authentic, growing Christian, keyword, authentic, not perfect, authentic. There's no such thing as a perfect Christian. Authentic, growing Christian is a faither, a lover, a hoper. Okay? That's what it means. That, that is the signs of a person growing. Let's look at the first sign, faith. Verse 4 again says this. Paul looks at, uh, here's this a report, okay? Someone, pro- probably Epaphras, he goes and visits Paul and says, man, you got to hear about these believers in Colossae. They're loving Jesus and they have faith in Christ. So Paul's saying, hey, I've heard of your faith in Christ. See, everybody has faith. Faith is not belief in something despite the lack of evidence. No, you see, faith is a reliance or a trustful commitment to something that you think is trustworthy to give you the thing that you desperately need. Now, the key is, what is it that you believe is that thing you desperately need? Because you will rely on, you will trust yourself to the person or the thing that has power to fix what is broken in your life. Example one. If you believe that what is most broken about your life, what you need most is, is money, then you will place your trust, you will have faith in your own ability to accrue wealth, to work hard, so that you can provide for yourself the life that you always dreamed of. Maybe for some of you, it's not trusting in money. Uh, maybe it's 
that you believe society is broken. And laws are the problem. Laws are the cause. And so what, what's important is that's to have faith, trust in the right political candidate to have power to fix what is broken in our community, in our state, and at a national level. And so if your political person is not voted into office, it's not just that you're disappointed, it's that you're crushed. Because you think what's really problematic about this world are these laws that need to be changed. Well, verse 4, again, Paul's saying, I've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. It's one of the pencil marks that's showing that there's growth happening. And he is thankful because a Christian, according to God's word, is someone who's admitted that their deepest brokenness, their most significant need, is not outside of them, but inside of them. Most every philosophy or worldview or way of thinking in our culture will say the fundamental problem is not you, but outside of you. And so if you can change circumstances and people and the right politics, etc., etc., you'll be okay. The Bible actually is more helpful than that and much more honest. And it says actually the real problem, the real disease, is a sickness inside of you called sin, which is a person's rebellion and rejection of God's loving authority over their life and a way of living in which you choose for yourself to live however you want, whenever you want, whatever you want. It's up to you. It's self at the center. And so faith is simply this. Faith in Christ Jesus is a reliance, a trustful commitment in Jesus to rescue you from that sin. That's what it means to have faith in Jesus, is that you lean all of who you are onto all of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And you receive all that he's done for you as a simple gift through the empty hands of faith. That's what it means to have faith in Christ Jesus. And it's the first sign of someone who's growing, okay? So there's the first pencil mark. Paul, right there. Faith. Faith in Christ Jesus, okay? What's, what's pencil mark number two? Pencil mark number two is love. It's love. He points out another mark on this growth wall, and it's Verse 4, look down with me. Not only am I hearing, Colossians, that you have faith in Christ Jesus, but also, verse 4, you have love for all the saints. Saints, okay, usually we think, oh, it's just a really good person. She's such a saint because she helps people. No, not what the Bible thinks. The Bible, a saint is a new person who's been placed in a new family. A saint is any and every Christian who has had faith in Jesus. That's what a saint is. And being placed in that new family means that you have now new relationships you are called to care for and tend to as a Christian believer. And so a sign of growth of authentic Christian faith is love for all the saints. So we are faithers, but we're also lovers. Today's culture loves a big deal, but it's been hijacked. It's been held hostage. And it's been redefined. So love has now become a slave to the self. We've redefined love with me at the center. So pop star Megan Trainer, some of you, maybe in the older generation, uh, you might not know who Megan Trainer is. Those of you in the younger generation, you will, okay? She's a famous pop star, singer, um, and this is what she says in one of her songs. I don't mean to brag. I don't mean to boast. I love all y'all, uh, but I love me the most. Go and raise your glass. Give yourself a toast. I love all y'all, but I love me the most. See, I love others, but I love me the most. This is the air we breathe in our culture. 
That's how love is defined. It's about self at the center. The Bible paints a very different picture of love. Love, according to the Bible, gives up self for the good of others. If you're a person who's been rescued by Jesus and place your faith in him, that transforms you to be a person no longer with self at the center, but Christ at the center in an overflowing love to bless others in your life. Vertical faith in Christ is demonstrated through horizontal love for other people. That is the authentic Christian life. That is the pencil marks of growth. I've seen this love, this giving up of self for the sake of others in the leaders at 24-7 this past week. Last week was the first week of 24-7 events for the fall. It's been super fun, crazy busy, but we're loving it. Here are a few marks on the growth wall, so to speak, signs of love that I just commend to these wonderful, amazing student leaders. Things that I've seen already in the first few weeks of them being a part of 24-7. I've seen student leaders showing up an hour early to pray for their fellow classmates to know Jesus. I've seen students talking about working really hard. This is really cool. Working really hard to create hospitable and engaging events so that other students can come and rest. Don't you just love that? I love that. Let's work hard to put on amazing events so that other students can come and rest and have a sense of community. That's amazing. It's an act of love. That's what love does. Students giving up whole afternoons and evenings to set up lights, to do sound, and set up band equipment so that we can Jesus and preach the gospel. Doing. Isn't that amazing? Students willing to adjust their major launch event this past Wednesday so they could have time to grieve Molly Tibbetts' death and moving back the time so that we could proclaim the hope that we have in Christ in the midst of grief. Why? Why do they do this stuff? They do it because they love because I see in these amazing student leaders signs, marks of Christian growth and love because they have faith in Christ Jesus that's demonstrated through love to those around him. It's beautiful. It's something to celebrate. And so look down at verse 5 because we see this faith in Christ, love for other, vertical, horizontal. It's rooted, verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. And so faith in Christ, love for others, has a cause, has a soil from which it grows, and that soil is a Christian hope. See, we are future-oriented beings. As humans, you are hopers, okay? Let me try to convince you, okay? Give me an example of my own life. I love books, okay? And I order books off Amazon on my phone, okay? Purchase, right? And it says it's going to take two days from it to go from the shipping center, wherever that is, to the office here at Parkview, okay? I still think two days is still too long, okay? At some point, Amazon needs to figure out, like, half-day shipping. They will, but for now, I wait patiently with hope, okay? And uh, I wait for the book to come, okay? And guess what happens? I tear open that wonderful Amazon book thing, and I flip it open, and a book, fresh book in my hands, and it's delightful for 37 seconds. And then guess what happens after 37 seconds? I think to myself, oh, what about the other book? I was in my cart. I want to purchase that. Purchase, right? Uh, and, and then what happens, right? I live, I go throughout my day. I have different meetings and stuff, but I keep thinking, oh, I can't wait for that book. I can't wait for that book. Now, for some of you, it's not books. It might be clothing or technology, whatever it is, right? But you know what it's like, okay? Put Amazon aside. Those of you who are at work on Monday, when you go to work on a Monday, and it's like 9.15, 15. 
What are you hoping for? There you go. You're hoping for Friday, right? Those of you who just got back from vacation and you get to work a day after your wonderful week and a half long vacation, what are you hoping for? Your next vacation. That's right. You are a future-oriented being. That's what it means to be a human. You live in your present moment in light of what you think your future will hold. That's what it means to be human. And that's why so many of our people in our culture, you ever wonder this? We're so addicted to personal pleasure and entertainment. Do you know why that is? Why our culture is like that? It's because we live in what many call a secular culture. That means they kind of have sucked God out of the equation, so to speak, of living life. And the way that we think of death is simply this. There's nothing after death. You die, and then there's nothingness. So your future is nothing. So why, why would you live a life of goodness or morality if in the end you will die and you will just be forgotten? If your tomorrow is so bleak, why not party today? That's why so many of our culture, so many of our culture struggle with having rich lives full of meaning and hope because they are hearing through songs and through movies this narrative that once you die, game's over. YOLO, you got one life. Just live it up. But the Christian hope is entirely different, friends. There's good news. We believe in a real Jesus who raised from death. And he defeated the grave. And he is kind of like this, right? Say we live in this veil, don't we? Okay? Uh, Jesus has broken through this veil. And if by faith, if you're connected to Jesus, you also will break through this veil to newness of life forever in a resurrected earth that's been renewed and restored to the way it was always meant to be. That's the hope that we have. Verse 4 again. The hope laid up for you in heaven. You see, this is God's future. God's future is this. It is Jesus bringing a heaven full of love to a world full of suffering and death. The future in Jesus is that everything sad will come untrue, as Tolkien likes to say. No sin anymore, no suffering, no relational dysfunction. In heaven, it's a place of perfect peace and righteousness and overflowing, self-giving love. How do I know that? Because at the center of heaven is a God, Father, loving a Son by the power of the Spirit, always and forever, and He has welcomed us into that love. Heaven is a world full of love. And, and we are welcomed into that love. That is our future. And so if that is our future, what does that mean for our present experience? Christian believer, it means this, is that you have faith. You have a patient trust in the bigness of a Jesus so mighty and strong that he can rework all of the damaged disasters of your life into something glorious and beautiful. And though you may not experience the fullness of it now, by faith, not by sight, by faith, you trust in Jesus that there is a coming day that he will do that work. And so you keep moving forward. You keep trusting. Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean it always feels good. But you trust in the bigness of a Jesus who can rework all the damaged disasters of your life. But it also means this, not just faith, but it means love, right? Remember, 
Hope is the soil from which love and faith grow. Love for others. So if, if, a, if a coming world is going to be full of justice and righteousness and peace and beauty, what do you think that means for you, Christian believer? It means that you should be about the business of your King Jesus right now, awaiting for that future world. You don't just sit there and twiddle your thumbs. No, we actively love others and bring justice to the oppressed and love those who are broken and hurt. Why? Because we have a hope that it's not just death, but someone has broken through the veil and we are connected to that someone, that Jesus. And that gives us hope tethered right now to a new life of love for those around us. That is the Christian hope that we have. It is a hope that is secure, that is set, laid up for you in heaven. C.S. Lewis says it like this in his chapter on hope and mere Christianity. It says this, if you read history, you will find the Christians, get this, who did most for the present world were just those who thought most, who thought most of the next. They left their mark on earth, were occupied much to do on earth because their minds are meditating on this future hope that we have in Christ. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective, ineffective in this. For many of us, the reason why our love is so little, the reason why our faith is so small, is because our hope is about this big. But if you have a big hope, and a huge Jesus who's going to bring an amazing world. You better believe you're someone who's going to live by faith and you're going to be someone who loves like crazy. So those are the marks. Paul says, man, Colossian believers, look, you're already growing. You have faith in Christ Jesus. Also, you have love for those Christians around you. And all of this is because you have this glorious hope awaiting you in Jesus Christ when he returns and makes all things new. Those are the three signs of growth. But here's the deal. That's the definition of what a Christian looks like, okay? Christian is a faither, lover, hoper. Cool. That's, that's great, Wade. But now, how? How do I get there? If I'm to be a person of faith, hope, and love, how do I get there? Where? Well, thank you, Paul. Paul answers this question in verse 5 in following, that we see the source of growth. The source of growth is the gospel at work in a community of love. It's the gospel at work in a community of love. Verse 5, look down with me. Of this you've heard before in the word of truth. The, what? Gospel. Okay, keep looking down. Verse 6, which has come to you, Colossians, as indeed it's in the whole world right now. It's bearing fruit, it's increasing, it's growing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So Paul wants to assure the Colossian Christians that the gospel they first receive is fully sufficient and reliable to give them the growth they need. They don't need to look elsewhere thinking, I'm concerned. Paul, I'm not growing. Paul's saying, no, 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 you are growing. You know why? Because I see your faith in Christ Jesus. Because I see your love for the saints. I see your hope in the Lord Jesus. 
And guess what? You know why that, those three things are happening? It's because the gospel is at work. What's the gospel? The gospel is the truth of God. It's the reliable message of what God has done. But it's also the power of God. You see verse 6? Look down again at verse 6. It's, this gospel has come to you, this word of truth, as indeed it's in the whole world, doing what? Bearing fruit and increasing. It's growing. This language, bearing fruit and increasing, one uh, commentator talks about how this is almost like it's like Eden 2.0, right? In the Garden of Eden, you have these trees that are flourishing, and, and life with God is at the fullness of what it's always designed to be. And here through the gospel, we have God breaking into this sin-sick world, establishing his kingdom. And, and from it, this, this gospel bearing fruit, growing, transforming people. This is the message of truth. It's the message of power that transforms, but also it's the grace of God. You see the last phrase of verse 6. At these Colossians, you've heard this gospel and understood it, which is the grace of God in truth. The grace of God is his loving acceptance of sinners through Christ his Son. This is what we have. The gospel, the truth of God in the power of God about the grace of God for the people of God, for us, for us, because it is the power that is at work. Romans 1, 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because, why? It is the power of God for salvation to all those who believe. 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, our gospel came to you not in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. The reason why the gospel spread in the early church, why it spread in in Colossae, why it's spreading throughout the whole world while people are coming to Christ today here in Iowa City is because of the gospel. It is the powerful means by which God transfers sinful people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, Jesus. It is the gospel. But look at where the gospel takes root. It's a community of love. Look again at verse 6. It says, The gospel is bearing fruit and increasing as power, as it also does among you. You all, plural, all together. The gospel's at root in you. And then verse 7 and 8. How do these Colossians hear the gospel? Well, it's, they learned it from Epaphras. Epaphras, here's this ordinary guy named Epaphras who has his life transformed by Jesus. You know what his mission becomes? is to be someone who introduces other people to the good news of rescue from sin through Jesus Christ. And so Epaphras, one of these community members, takes responsibility for the spiritual growth of those in his community and teaches the gospel. And these people sit and understand the gospel, they hear the gospel, and they learn the gospel from Epaphras. And then verse 8, what does it say? Is that in all of this, he's made known to us what? Your love in the Spirit. The gospel, growth happens as the good news of Jesus, the gospel, takes root in a community of love. And in that community of love, hope is born. And from hope, faith in Christ and love for others. Do you see what's going on there? This growth that's happening in this community, this growth that's happening us today. It is an offer to all of us. You see, in the Christian life, growth happens as you discover, apply, and practice the different aspects of the gospel in the context of a community of love. Tim Keller says it like this, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is not the ABCs of Christianity. It is the A through Z. It is the Christian life. You do not begin your Christian life, maybe for you as a summer camp, it was 14, and you gave your life to the Lord Jesus, right? You begin with Jesus, and the rest of your life is about your personal effort to make sure that you are a good follower of Jesus. 
And so you will give yourself to different spiritual practices to make sure that you keep being a good follower of Jesus. But really, it's up to you. What Paul's saying here, actually, the Christian life, even those spiritual practices, they're all designed to get you back to having your heart thrilled by Jesus. So you ready for this? Here's the secret of the Christian life. It begins with Jesus. In the middle, you have Jesus. In the end, you have Jesus. And then forever, Jesus. And the gospel, guess who it's about? Jesus. Growth happens as you're in a community centered on Jesus, a community of love, and that is how you have faith in Jesus. That is how his love shapes you, become a person of love like Jesus. You have hope in the future coming of Christ Jesus. It's all about Jesus. That is how we grow in a community connected together where the gospel is taught, explained, and applied. So, there you go. That's Colossians 1, 3 to, 3 to 8. Now, what does that mean for Parkview Church? Because we are in a series, right, called the DNA of Parkview. What does it mean if you've committed yourself to being a part of this community? What does that mean for us? Colossians 1, 3 to 8 tells us this. Number one, growth happens in a community center of the gospel. There you go. Okay, we've been saying that a lot. Just say it again. Therefore, we would urge you, encourage you, and would love to see you get connected to a community group. For those of you who are college students, we have community groups led by college students for college students, okay? So that is your chance to get plugged in. If you're a freshman, we have community groups that are uh, connected to our ministry called Freshman Connect, okay? And so come and see us. We'd love to get you plugged in and connected to what Jesus is doing in the college ministry. For those of you who aren't in college, we have community groups for you. Community groups at Parkview are designed to be a community, a gathering of people throughout the week that focus on the gospel of Jesus and remind each other and apply and teach one another what the gospel is and how it takes root in our heart in community. Okay? That's the first thing. Community group. Get plugged into community group. Number two, okay, at Parkview Church. Second thing is this. If you look down at verse 6, it says this, that the Colossians heard and understood the gospel, right? And then verse 7, it says they what? They learned the gospel from Epaphras. So Andrea was talking about, when she was giving the opportunities, that we have these equip classes. The equip classes, very simply, are a chance for you to learn the gospel, okay? To get plugged in on learning what the gospel is and how the gospel transforms your life in a, in a way uh, that's deeper than what you might get just by yourself, right? So we're learning together as a community. We learn the gospel from our teachers, and finally this. This is more just a vision-wide thing for Parkview, okay? This is it. Growth happens in a community of love. Parkview, Parkview must become a place of love. It must continue to become. It must keep striving towards becoming a community of love. Verse 4 says this, that uh, the Colossians had love for all the saints, right? It's one of the pencil marks of growth. And then verse 8, it says that there's love from the Holy Spirit. Uh, Francis Schaeffer... Some of you might know who Francis Schaeffer is. He was a famous Christian leader in the 20th century. Francis Schaeffer would speak at churches throughout the whole, like, U.S. and the whole world, okay? And he came to a point of discovering something where he saw that there were Christian leaders that embraced the truths of the Bible. The Bible is God's word, the sufficiency of the death of Jesus for sin, the resurrection of Jesus in real history, all these, these core doctrines that we just love. But these Christians who embraced these core doctrines, the way they treated one another, was brutal, was shameful, 
and was harmful. And so he, he made this comment. He said, biblical orthodoxy, right biblical doctrine, without compassion is the ugliest thing in the world. It's the ugliest thing in the world. So what, my friends, is the most beautiful thing? The most beautiful thing in the world is a community that is embracing the truth of the gospel, but then letting that same gospel set a culture within a community of love. What do Christians believe? We believe in the Father of love, sending his Son of love to be crucified out of love so that he could send the Spirit of love to bring the love of the Father alive in our hearts. Christians believe in love, real love. And if that's what we believe, friends, then that's how we ought to behave with one another in community. That is what Parkview is called to. And we're already seeing it happen. We just need to keep moving forward and keep following the path of Jesus, the path of love. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Parkview and what you're doing here in this series, the DNA of Parkview. Lord, thank you that you, you are at work in us with the gospel, growing us, faith, love, and hope. Lord, all of this happening in a gospel community of love. Thank you, Lord, that we celebrate the great mystery of the Trinity, Father loving the Son by the power of the Spirit. This is what shapes our love, Lord. So please, make us a community of love in which our witness to this watching world is one both of truth and love. And so we ask this by the power of the Spirit for the sake of Jesus. Amen.